I love the stories of Elisha. I love the stories of Elijah. I know I tend to preach some of them uh, multiple times, but I can't help it. I just love them. I love to hear them. I love to read them. I love to, I love, just love the story of Elijah. I love the story of Elisha. But uh, before we get going there, reading in 2 Kings chapter 5, I'm going to remind you of the, wor- the words of our Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when he said, and he was talking about Israel and how uh, there's, uh, no, they were, they were, uh, Whenever they were taught, Israel kind of got a, uh, they were prideful. They thought, they, were, they thought that God only loved them. God was going to take care of them. They couldn't do no wrong. And he said this, and, 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 and he said this in Luke chapter 4, verse 27. Our Lord and Savior said, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, or Elisha. There were many lepers in the Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were, was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian which was a Gentile, which would be considered a dog. So that's the story we're going to read this morning, starting in 2 Kings chapter 5. Let's find out why he's the only one. There's lots of lepers, and lots of lepers in Israel. But it was a Gentile leper that was healed at the time of Elisha. And let's read his story, and let's find out of the story of how this happened. Verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 5. Verse 1, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man, with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria, but, excuse me, he was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Now, Naaman was a great warrior, and, and he was a great warrior for the enemy, for Israel's enemy. And he was such a great warrior, he had defeated Israel, and he had, he had done all this great stuff for his king, for his master, notice, but it also says he was a mighty man in valor. He wasn't scared of anybody. But, the worst word in the English language, but he was a leper. Hey, Brother Joker, do you mind praying over this sermon, please, brother? Thank you. Yes. Yes. Amen. So we're going to look at this story of Naaman. And it's going to be, we're going to find this little maid in a couple of minutes. And this little maid's going to be a lot of us in here. And we're going to look at her. And then we're going to look at Naaman and how he, how he, how, what happened with his, this story. But notice it says he was a great man with his master and honorable. Everybody in here, everybody on the sound of my voice has a master. Everybody. You might not like it, you might not like to admit it, but either your master is the world or the devil or your master is Jesus Christ. Somebody's running you. Somebody is running you. And he had a master, just like everybody in this room has a master. But he's honorable. He had lots of money. He had all the fame, all the wealth, everything you could ever imagine. He had all the accolades, but he still was a leper. Leprosy in the Bible is a type of sin. I'm here to tell you this morning, I don't care how famous you are, how rich you are, how successful you are, how, how, how much accolades you might get, how famous you might be, you're still a sinner. We're all sinners. And just like Naaman found out, hey, I have all this going for me, but I'm, sinner, I'm still a sinner. I still have problems. I still have leprosy. Doesn't it ever occur to you, when you look at all these rich celebrities, how, how just awful they look, how, how spiteful they act, how... Some of them, a lot of them, commit suicide. 
Does it ever cross your mind like, man, if I was rich or famous, how, how great that would be? I had all the money in the world. Those men and women are miserable. Why? Because they're still sinners. You can have all the money in the bank. You could sleep on $1,000 bills. You're still a sinner dealing with sin. That's, that, that's the problem with anything in mankind It's the sin. Now let's look at what happens. Verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. So this was a little Jewish maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. So this was Naaman's wife's maid, basically a slave that had been captured. Verse 3, And she said unto her mistress, Would God, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. So she says, Man, if... If, if he was with, if my master could go find that prophet that's in, the prophet that's in, in Israel, man, he would heal him up. That's what she's saying. So basically, she's there, she's combing her, 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 her mistress's hair, combing Naaman's wife's hair, maybe doing some chores around the house, and, and she speaks up. She says, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that's in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. There's confidence right there. Verse 4, And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is of the land of Israel. So let's stop right there. Let's look at this little maid, this little girl. This is great faith this little girl has. First off, notice, notice there in verse 2, she kept her faith. She kept her faith. The Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Nothing was going right for this little girl. She was captive. She was a slave. Where was her God when she was carried away to the land of the Syrians? Where was God when that happened to her? Probably, more than likely, her parents were killed. She was carried captive. There was a, there was a raid, and she, was, she lost the war, and God allowed all that to happen, but she kept her faith. That's great faith. Even when things weren't going right. Wouldn't she have a right to say that? Guys, if China was to invade America and Texas and carry us off and carry us back to China, how many in this church would still say, I love the Lord Jesus? Come on, don't, don't fool yourself. I know what that'd be, that, that, that boat ride over to China would be like. Where's God at now? Where's Jesus at now? I thought you said Jesus loves me. Where's Jesus at now? It's easy to keep the faith when everything's going right. But when things start falling apart, that's when you find out what kind of real faith you have. This little girl had faith. And don't, don't ever forget the Lord says you need to have faith like a little child. And this is a little maid. She has that faith that she has the faith even when things, she kept her faith even when things were going wrong. Look at verse 3. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were, in the, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. She spoke her faith. She spoke her faith, even when she could have got persecuted for it. She spoke her faith. Notice, this is, this is, the Syrians don't believe in Jehovah God. The Syrians don't believe in the God. Why would they want to believe in the gods of Israel? The God of Israel allowed them to whoop them. You ever thought of that? Why would you go, why would I want to go to your God? Your God can't even take care of your own land. We whipped you and brought you over here. But she has enough faith, and she has enough confidence in her faith to speak her faith. I think a lot of reasons why we in here don't speak our faith is we're afraid of the persecution we're going to get. 
Somebody's going to mock us. Maybe somebody's going to ask us a question about our Bible or about our faith that we can't answer. I don't know. As a pastor, I had people ask me, I had somebody ask me this morning a question about a verse. I couldn't answer it. I walked around looking for a book and like, I don't know where that verse is at. I've given up, a, I'm dumb, I'm so dumb, I've given up a long time ago trying to outsmart everybody. I know what I believe, it works for me. If you allow me to talk to you, I'll tell you where you can have salvation in Jesus Christ. Can I explain every little tiny bit of it? No. I, do, I might can do a little bit of job, better job than I could maybe 10 years ago, but the truth is, we need to keep speaking our faith. Amen. We're not the ones that are saving people. It's not the church that's saving people. It's the Lord God through the Holy Spirit working on people's hearts. It don't matter, it don't matter how smart you are. You might know the Bible left or right. You might know every doctrine, every doctrine in and out. But the Holy Spirit's going to have to move on a man or woman's heart for them to get saved. You just speak the faith. You speak it. She doesn't explain how it's going to happen. She doesn't know exactly how the Lord God could do it. She just says, man, it'd be great if you get over there to Israel with that prophet. And notice it's not some prophet, it's the prophet. We're not talking about any man, we're talking about the man, Jesus Christ. She's talking about, I know a man. And that's why I'm here to tell you this morning, I know a man, his name is Jesus Christ. He will save you. He is the man, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, and when he went in and told his, and he went, one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. What's interesting about verse 4 is, is they believed her. She lived her faith. She must have had a good testimony. She must have been living her faith, showed that she had faith in the Lord God. She must have had a really good testimony because they took, they took her words had weight. This, just, this wasn't some snot-nosed little brat that nobody respected. They respected her. She was a hard worker. She probably, yes sir, no sir, people. She was probably very respectful. And when she spoke, they're like, this girl's words have weight. I'm going to go tell the king what this little girl said. Why would you listen to what some little girl said? Unless you had a lot of weight and her words had weight. I'm telling you, brother, sister, she was living her faith. And when she spoke, people listened. And if, that's why it's so important to keep your testimony. At work, wherever you, in your family, wherever it's, you don't have to be the best Christian, but try to do, be the best Christian you can be so your words will have weight when you have a time to give the truth out about the gospel. Amen. Well, I tell you, some of this stuff's going over like a lead balloon. Y'all don't have much faith this morning? I tell you what, guys, I know it's hard to live the Christian life. It's hard to live the Christian life. I know we deal with the world, and the world's all against us. Even... Even some of the Christian leaders are against us right now as Bible believers. Y'all just keep the faith. Just keep on believing in Jesus Christ. Don't lose the faith. There's going to come a time where your faith is going to make a difference in somebody's life. I rode with a guy for years and years and years, and I called him Lucifer because he was acting like the devil. He was an atheist, non-believer. I'd tell him some verse about, about the Bible, some verse that Jesus Christ said. He goes, well, I hate that, and I hate that. I hate God for saying that. All right, man, what you, I mean, just wicked. God was wicked. More superstitious than anybody man, ever known in my life. We were in an alley picking up brush. I mean, we're talking about tight alleys with this big old crane truck. A black cat runs across the alley. Oh, no, we're going to have to back out. We're not backing this big truck out of here. Yes, sir, we are. We're backing this truck out. I'm not, crossing, I'm not going any further. That black cat went across there. 
Man, you superstitious fool. He made me get out there, me, 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 tearing the windows off and the, the side mirrors off and everything. I was trying to back that big truck out because he was so scared. But when it came to God, he wasn't scared to look God in the face and cuss him. Strangest thing I ever seen until the day his wife got diagnosed with cancer. And I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it. Like, until I, if I'm 100, I was walking up to the back of the yard. And he was walking with me, and he told me, hey, my wife got died. I, if you don't mind, say a prayer to the big man upstairs. That's what he told me. Listen, why did he say that to me? Because I had sat there as a testimony to him, and he saw, here's a man of faith, and I want him to, to pray for me. So when this little girl went up there, she was a little girl of faith, and her words had Wait, let's see what the king does. Verse 5, And the king of Syria said, Go to, go. I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. You can't buy salvation. I'm going to send a bunch of money with him. You can't buy salvation. And all the money in the world is not going to cleanse you of your sin. That's what I just got through talking about. These men that get rich and famous... They get lots and lots of money, and you know what? They still realize I'm a sinner. You, you, underst you understand what I, what I mean when I say I'm a sinner? You do sinful things. You might be a millionaire. doesn't mean you're not going to cheat on your wife. As a matter of fact, when you're rich, it gives you more opportunity to do those sinful things. doesn't mean you're not going to lie. doesn't mean you're not going to cheat. doesn't mean you go, go to bed with your conscience bothering you for the sin you've done. Some of us in here forgot what it's like to be a wicked sinner without the grace of Jesus Christ. It's no fun to live that life. It's miserable. It's miserable to have that sin weighted on you. It's miserable. And he tries to bring it in, bring in money to get away, to get rid of that. He thinks he's going to pay, pay it off. No, hey, I'll just send a bunch of money and we'll buy your, buy your healing, buy your salvation, buy your cleansing. Verse 6, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, Now when this letter has come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman thy, my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Let's stop there. She didn't say nothing about the king of Israel. Yeah. Why is he going to the king of Israel? She said, there's a man, there's a prophet. Its name is Elisha. That's where they're supposed to go, not to the king of Israel. Listen, you're not, God doesn't work through bureaucracy. God doesn't work through big churches. God's not working through this church. He works through individuals. He doesn't work through this building. He works through your heart. Your heart. Each individual in here, he's working on your heart individually. It's not a bureaucracy. Just because you're a member of this church don't mean you're going to heaven. I only can take your word that you took Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. That's between you and God. Just because you come to church with your parents doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Just because your grandma took you to church or your dad or mom or well, you're sitting on the pew with your mom and dad saying, well, I'm in church, that don't mean nothing to God. He looks at your heart individually. He doesn't work through bureaucracy. He doesn't work through a chain of command. When God wants to get hold of you, he gets a hold of you individually. And he works on your heart. And he goes the wrong way here. The king of Syria doesn't understand the Lord God, Jehovah. And he goes through. He goes, well, I'm going to go to the top and talk to the top and see if the top will help me get down to. No. Hey, the government doesn't control the prophets. 
The government doesn't control this preacher. So when the government says, hey, we recommend you sh shut the churches down, uh-uh. Don't, like Abbott, Abbott seems to have been a good governor. I don't like to talk politics. You know, that's a lie, right? I talk all the time. Abbott's been a good governor. I, I admit I, he's been all right governor. I like what he's doing down on the border. He's, he's really stirred it up. But when he came out and he said, you know, we think religious churches should have, religion should be, it's a right, they should have the churches open. I'm going to leave the churches open. I got mad at Abbott. I said, why'd you get mad at Abbott? Because he doesn't have the right to make that decision. He should have said, I, that's a God-given right. I can't decide if somebody can go to church or not. That's a God-given right. Who am I to say yes or no? It's not in my power to say yes or no. I know why he said it. I know that. But it still stirred me up because the government doesn't control this church. That's why we're not Southern Baptists. We don't have a convention controlling this church. And they used to try to. Y'all should have been here in the beginning. Well, there was nobody here. They let this church fall. Up. This church was in shambles. We came out here, we started getting the church going, put the pews back in place, and uh, me and uh, some other members of the church got the things going. And we, I mean, I wasn't here three months. Here comes the area missionary. Had never stepped in this church, area missionary from Southern Baptist Convention, somewhere down in here. Here he comes in here, he comes in here, and he's like, uh, I just come to visit you. I've been here, and y'all got some things going out. He waits till everything's going, then he comes in, you know. Yeah. I said, well, brother, man, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but we voted out of the Southern Baptist Convention a couple of weeks ago. His face got so red. You can't do that. He got spit mad. You can't do that. I'm going to revoke your vote. Now, if y'all know what that means, it means he's going to take away our right to vote. We can't vote. I said, brother, we're Baptists. I laughed in his face. We're Baptists. We're autonomous. We do what we're going to do. We do what we want to do. We're not Methodist. We're not Lutheran. We're not Presbyterian. There's nobody above us. We're Baptists. That's why I'm a Baptist. It's not just because of the doctrine. It's also because I don't want the government or anybody telling us what to do out here at Indian Gap Baptist Church. We're, this is our group of our believers. He got so mad. I said, you know what? I said, you know, I could tell I'd made him really flaming mad. So I tried to show some grace. I said, I'll tell you what, brother. I said, I'll give you 10, 15 minutes. You want to get up there and tell the church why we should go back into the southern, what y'all can do for us. No, no, you already made your decision up. No, no, no. And, and this is the God on truth. He stayed. He went and sat on the back. He didn't even leave. He stayed the whole service, shook my hand and left. I never have seen him again. I don't know where he's at. I would have left. If I was him, I would have said, Y'all already make your decision. Y'all can all go to hell. I would have walked out the back of the door. And not him. He stayed around. Maybe he heard some preaching for the first time in his life. I don't know. But the government doesn't tell us what to do. Don't trust in the government to tell you what to believe. Or to tell the church what to do. And they did. During COVID, they did. And I see I brought up the word COVID. I'm going to get knocked off of YouTube for doing this. It happens every time. And they'll threaten me and tell me they're never going to let me back on again. When the government came in and started arresting pastors down in Florida, that's where DeSantis was governor, amen? DeSantis was governor down in, in Florida. Okay, okay. They, he arrested them. They were arresting pastors down in Florida. For having church. That's wicked. That's evil. The government should have no part of this church. The government has, that's the separation of church and state. We're not Catholic. 
We're not, we're not Protestant. We're Baptist. Autonomous means we're, we control ourselves individually here. Now, if we want to go in with another group or another church and, 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 and get together doing that, we don't, though. We could. And the reason we don't is because Brother Keegan likes to do what Brother Keegan likes to do. I don't want nobody telling me what to do. So, I, and I don't want you being told by me what to do. I don't come over to your house. I know some of y'all do stuff I don't think's right. I preach about uh, it from the pulpit. I don't stop you at the back of the church and say, let me see what Bible you're carrying. Let me go over to your house and see if there's any beer in your refrigerator. Let me go see what you're doing. I don't care what you're doing. That's between you and the Holy Ghost. I don't want you telling me what to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I want the Holy Spirit to tell me what to do, and I want the Holy Spirit to tell you what to do. And I've got my convictions. You've got to have yours. But brothers and sisters, don't let somebody put a law on you or a burden on you that's not supposed to be there. We have liberty in Jesus Christ. And as you see us lose the liberty in America, it's because the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So when you see us losing all this liberty in America, it's because there's no more Holy Spirit moving in America. That's the key right there. Now, how I got down on that rabbit trail, I have no idea. But here we go. I didn't even mean to get all stirred up about that. Verse 7, it came to pass when the king of Israel read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive this, this man to send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. So the king's like, who am I? I can't heal a man of leprosy. Why is he coming to me? That shows you he went to the wrong man. He doesn't know how to get, he doesn't know how to, uh, get somebody cleansed. The only reason I know how to get somebody cleansed is because I can point you to a book called the Bible that's going to tell you how you can get cleansed. I can't cleanse you. This church can't cleanse you. The Word of God cleanses you through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus Christ. That's it. So he goes to the wrong man. Of course, the king is flabbergasted. He don't know what to do. Modern. He's an he's a antiquate Biden. Just, you know, just dumb as a box of rocks. Verse 8, And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there's a prophet in Israel. Amen. I love Elisha. Just like his, just like his master Elijah. He's an he's honorary old guy. What you doing, king? Why are you renting your clothes? Send him over here to me, and then he'll know that there's a prophet in Israel. <laughs> That's Elisha for you. Woo! He'll know that there's a prophet in Israel when he gets through talking to me. Say, I like Elisha. That confidence. That's confidence. Amen. Are you confident you're going to heaven? Yeah. Amen, I know I am. I know I'm, I'm very confident. I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed him until that day. I know whom I believe. And that's why I'm confident. That's Elisha. When you're around the Lord God, Jehovah God, who's nothing but truth, it makes confidence in you. Yeah. It does. Because what you do is you read this Bible and you said that happened, that happened, that happened, that happened, that came to pass, that came to pass, that came to pass, that, that's coming to pass right now. That looks like that could come to pass any day now. You start saying, I think I'm going to put my confidence in that right there. Never been wrong yet. All right, here we go, verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent out a messenger unto him, saying, Go 
and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. That was rude. Here comes Naaman, comes into this chariot, all his men. We've come to see Elisha. Elisha sends out some old, probably some old manservant. Hey, Elisha says, just go down there to Jordan, wash seven times, you'll be clean. Boy, that's not going to work. He sends out the messenger. He don't even get to see Elisha. That's everybody in this room. Y'all haven't seen Jesus Christ, but a messenger told you about Jesus Christ. A messenger told you about how to get saved. A messenger. You didn't see it. See, he didn't get to see Elisha. He's just told, hey, this is what you need to do. Go and wash. Got a question for you. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? There's a lot of this in there, man. It's all through that Bible. Are you washed? Go wash. He says, go wash in Jordan seven times, and thou shalt be clean. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt be saved. Verse 11. How does, how does Naaman take this? Well, not very well. Verse 11, but Naaman was wroth. He got angry. He's mad and went away and said, Behold, I thought... He would surely come out to me. Uh-oh, let's stop there. That's pride. I thought Elisha's going to come out to me, right? But he sends the, uh, he sends the old messenger out. I thought he's going to come out to me. I'm Naaman. I'm the, I'm the man of valor. I've whipped this whole land. I whipped everybody in here. And he's going to sit in that room and send a messenger out to me. That's pride, guys. And pride's going to keep some of the people from getting saved. Well, I thought, that's the title of my message this morning. I know I'm about 25 minutes late telling you. But the title of this message is, I thought. I thought. I thought, uh, I, I thought I'd just say like 20 Hail Marys. I thought I could just walk down the church and get baptized and I'm saved. I thought I could just do some good deeds. I thought I could just stop cussing and drinking and smoking and uh, adultery. I thought I could follow my heart. See, all those things I told you will land you right straight in hell. I thought. Naaman says, I thought. You need to change your thinking. I thought. He would surely come out to me and stand and call on me excuse me, and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. He wants a show. He wants a big show. He wants to put on, he wants this extravaganza. He wants Elisha to come out, da -da -da -da, and come out and say, all right, everybody gathered around. I'm about to heal somebody. Whack, Ooh, he's healed. I struck him. And he's gonna, he wants a big show. And that's what a lot of people want. And God doesn't work in big shows. When Elijah, Elisha's master, ran away, and I preached on this not too long ago. When Elijah ran away, there was fire when God showed up. And there was an earthquake, and God wasn't in the earthquake, and God wasn't in the fire, and God wasn't in the whirlwind. And then Elijah came out, and God was in a still, small voice. Elijah, what are you doing here? So you might go to church, you might want a big show, you might want to see a big extravaganza, and God is going to work on your little heart. individually and I'm telling you a lot of times he's going to work on it when there's nobody around 
There's not going to be a big show. And that's what Naaman expected, I thought. I thought, that's what we fall into. We get into that kind of thinking. I thought all I had to do was be the best person I could be. It don't work that way. God has his ways. God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My, high, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. We don't think like the Lord God. Would I do it that way? No. I w- that's not how I would do salvation. I have my ways. I'm not going to tell you how I would do it, but that's how I, would, I wouldn't have just put faith in Jesus. But you know what I know after I've studied it for 30 years? That's the best way. So what do you mean with salvation by faith in Jesus Christ? That's the best way because anybody can do it. The littlest, the oldest, the bedridden, if you're about to be put in an electric chair, if you're being hung on a cross, you can get saved. If God wants to save anybody, anywhere, at any time, the best way is by grace through faith. That's it. Praise God. Well, man, I tell you, sounds like he wants a TV evangelist to come strike. Oh, Kenneth Copeland or something, come strike him on the head. Call on the name of the Lord and strike his hand over the place, you know. That's what people want to see. That's why they turn on the TV and watch that nonsense. Verse 12, are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? He don't like that. What's so special about Jordan? It looks like an old muddy creek. I mean, those waters over there back in Syria, Abana, and what's that, far, far, they're all crystal clear water. Wouldn't that be a lot better? It looks that way, but that's not God's way. That's not the one God chose. That's, not, that's the way man thinks. It's just not how God chose. That's not the one God chose. God didn't choose that river. He chose Jordan. Right. What man don't like? They don't like it. Well, do I have to go to Jesus? Can I just go to Buddha or Muhammad? Or can I, does it have to be a Jew? Do I have to go to this man? Why can't it be a woman? God says, I chose Jesus Christ. The man, Jesus Christ. Go to him. Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You can go to these other rivers, and they might look prettier. They might be clearer. They might be closer to home. I don't know, but I'm telling you, God says, you're not going to get the cleansing unless you go to the Jordan. It's the Jordan. It's the Jesus Christ. May I not look at this better than all the waters of Israel? And they probably were. May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Yeah, go back home. Go back home, Naaman. Go back home to those rivers. Get in there. Dunk yourself seven times and see what happens. You know what's going to happen the seventh time you come up? You're still going to have leprosy. Because that's not God's way. God only has one way. I didn't make it this way. God made it. This is God, the Lord God. This is the way he works. So he went away in a rage. He's mad. He's frustrated. His pride has been hurt. Elisha didn't come out and greet him. He didn't put on a big show. He just made it very simple. It's just faith. Just go do this. Naomi don't want no part of that. But praise God, he's got good friends around him. And they try to talk some sense into him in verse 13. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he said to thee, Wash and be clean. 
And they said, now, name it. If, if he had told you to climb up that mountain and kill three goats or a mountain lion and bring the mountain lion pelt down, wouldn't you have gone and done it? You know he would have. That's what man wants. Man wants to have his part in it. Man wants to be the one to go slay the lion. He wants to be the one, I'm going to kill this flesh. I'll take care of this sin. I'll get rid of this problem. I'll keep kicking under control. I'll keep kicking uh, sinless. I'll keep kicking clean. I'll do this. I, God doesn't want it that way. That's the hard way. That's the way that man wants to do it. If he had done some great thing, wouldn't you, wouldn't you have done it? Yeah, yeah, you would have. But how much rather then when you see the, say it to thee, wash and be clean. It's nothing hard about it. Just put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're saved by grace through faith. Just put your faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's so hard. It's so easy. It's hard. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. People, it's too easy. And I've had people tell me when I witness to them say, that's too easy. But what do you want to do? You want it hard? I mean, I don't know what... This is the best thing going. It's salvation. It's a ticking into heaven. It's cleanse. It's to have your, 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 all your sins took away. It's a wonderful feeling. I'm telling you, it's the best thing having going. But it's too easy. What? That don't make any sense to me. Only, somebody, only when you're dealing with somebody with salvation do they say something like that. Because everything else they're suckers for. They see something on TV, and it, does, it makes no sense. It look, it's too good to be true. I'll order it. It's only $39.99. Five easy payments. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do that. Oh, you want to take, put your faith in Jesus Christ and he'll save you. Man, it's simple. Oh, it's too easy. That's, that's too easy. Man, God knows us. Well, we're stupid, aren't we? Amen. <laughs> that includes me. We're stupid. Man, people are stupid. That includes me. I'm not just stepping on your toes, amen. We do stupid things. Thank God that we're not in control of this, that God's in control of the salvation. We'd have it all messed up. That includes the church, my Catholic friends. The church is not in charge of your salvation. This might make you feel really, really good this morning. Brother Keegan has no control if you're going to heaven or not. Because <laughs> there's some Christians I'm like, he don't get to go. And I have something like that, I promise you. Some of them are like, man, tell me, Lord, he's not going. I don't want to be in heaven all for eternity with him. <laughs> Praise God, the Lord saves them. All right, let's see what happens. Verse 14, then when he down, he repented. See that repentance there? There's a change of mind, a change of direction. He was going back. He's, I'm going back to Syria. I can go back to those rivers and dunk. I don't need Elisha. I'm done with it. And he had a good friend, servant, saved. Now, now Naaman, listen here. It's not nothing hard. Just try it out. And he repented. And repentance simply means he changed his mind. He changed his direction. I'll go this way. That's all salvation is. Salvation is you're going this way, and I repent. I'm going to turn back to Jesus Christ, to the Lord God. I'll take him as my Lord and Savior. I know I'm a sinner. I know I was wrong, so I'm turning and changing. I'm, cha I'm not changing what I'm doing. I'm changing my way of thinking. From not liking God, not wanting Jesus Christ, to a repentance of I'm changing to Jesus Christ. That's what repentance means. Does anything do with stopping doing something? Okay, we got that cleared out, I hope. Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Amen. Don't you know, that the, don't you know his soldiers that had came with him from Syria, don't you know they were out there laughing and mocking him? 
look at him. He actually is going to do what that stupid messenger said. And Naaman went down once, comes up. Look at him, he's still got leprosy. And they start laughing at him. Goes down again. Fourth time, he comes out of the water, and he can hear his soldiers laughing. <laughs> Don't snicker too loud, he might hear you. <laughs> this is the silliest thing. Look at Jordan, all that muddy water. He comes down a sixth time, comes back up. Look at this, this is the silliest thing. But the seventh time, comes out clean as snow, white. Leprosy's gone. There was no more laughing and mocking. Listen, you might come to take Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You might have friends. You might have loved ones. You might have family members mocking you and making fun of you. But let me tell you something. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you come up out of that water, you come out cleansed. And I'm talking about come out with salvation, not baptismal water. But when you come up and, you, and Jesus Christ has cleansed you, there's nothing like it. And they'll never understand it until you get down in the waters and you let Jesus Christ save you. His flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. That was my experience when I got saved. When I got saved, I felt like a, I felt the innocence of childhood come back. I had this weight of sin on me, and man, I just took it and threw it off. It was the most amazing experience. I've, I've never been, there was never a happier moment in my life than the, the night I got saved. I remember riding home with mom. I was in the car with mom, and I mean, I was just jabbering, just, just talking. I was so excited, so excited. And my mom was like, man, calm down. I remember when I got saved and uh, some members of the church came and they hugged me and they were crying. They were like, we're so happy for you. We're so happy for you. There's nobody more happier than me. It's the best, best decision I ever made. If you never took Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this the experience you can have right there. And I can talk about it. I can describe it. But you, can, you won't know it until you do it. Verse 15. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him and said, Behold now, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. Now Elisha comes out. See, one day, Christian, you don't see him now, but then one day you will stand before Jesus Christ. Just like he's standing before Elisha. And he asked him a favor, to do him a favor here. He says, but... He said, as the Lord liveth before whom I stand, verse 16, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. He wanted to pay Elisha. Here, let me give you all this. Remember all the stuff he brought? And Elisha said, I don't want none of your stuff. I don't want none of your money. This has nothing to do with money. Then you'll, make it, you'll think it has to do with money. Verse 17, Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules, burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto the gods, but unto the Lord. Christian? You shouldn't be serving anybody else but the Lord God. He said, man, you've cleansed me. I'll, there's no other God but this God. I'm going to just sacrifice to this God. That's us, amen. That's us right there. But he asked a favor, verse 18, in closing, and this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Ramon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Ramon, that's their false God, when I bow down myself in the house of Ramon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. And Elisha said, he said unto him, go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. See, he says, you know, I'm going to go back and my master serves this false God and he's going to make me go in there and he's going to make me serve this false God and I'm going to bow down, but I'm not going to believe in that false God. I'm just doing it because I have to because I'm a, I'm a slave to this guy and that's my master. And Elisha said, everything's all right, just go on. The Lord God understands that you're living in this wicked world run by the devil. He knows what's going on. 
Brothers and sisters, the Lord God is showing you a lot more grace than you're giving yourself credit for. He loves you. He understands. He loves you. He understands. He really does. You know, in closing, let me say this. When I got saved, and I talk about how great an experience it was, no lightning came through the window. There was no thunder outside. I didn't hear the angels singing up in glory. And I'm telling you, that church was, uh, was about the, had about this many people there. There was probably half of them there like <laughs> sleeping. They didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew what was going on. I didn't even really understand what was going on. I mean, I thought I was a sinner, amen. I walked down, and I, I wanted to get saved. And, man, that feeling was great. I didn't realize how wicked a sinner I really was until the holiness of the Holy Spirit started living in me. The Holy Spirit? And then he starts showing me. I'm like, man, I'm a wicked guy. And I started, but the point is, there wasn't a big show. There wasn't lightning. There was just simple faith. If you want to take Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, this morning, you're in here and you don't know if you've ever done it, come on down. Let's get right.